sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 140, and we are recording on October 14th. That's a nice number coincidence. That makes me happy. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I'm, Jen- <laughs> I'm Jen Northington here with Sharifa Williams. And today, as you know, Halloween approacheth, uh, we are talking about creepy reads. Obviously, longtime listeners will know our creepy meters are different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice for something like this. Gives everybody yeah. something different to read. And I'm straight up cheating, too. So, you know, we're, it's going to be a fun one. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, we have some we have some follow up and some things. We have some things. Housekeeping. We have housekeeping. Yes. Um, so the first bit is the book that I was trying to remember uh, last full episode was Black No More by George S. Schuyler, which is... A controversial, as you might imagine, mm-hmm. book that does feature um, people being able to change the colors of their skin. We were talking about it in the context of The Last White Man by Mohsen Hamid. Um, so just uh, and that's it's like an older book. It, it came out a yeah. long time ago. So it's just interesting to see those sort of threads throughout sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few stories that have some... These are the two that are most closely tied, I think. But yes, I remember yeah, even in media, so. there were some weird moments about stuff like this. Uh, For sure. But yeah, glad you remember <laughs> yeah. that title. Yeah, I had to go back to my um, spreadsheet, my magical spreadsheet, and I finally found it. Because, of course, I didn't remember what year I read it in. Like, who remembers that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did finally find it. Uh, let's see. The next bit of housekeeping is that the holiday season also approacheth, which means that we're gearing up for our holiday gifting episode, which will air on November 16th to give you plenty of time to get your books ordered before, you know, the Christmas and other holiday, winter holiday rush. Uh, So if you have a specific gifting question that you would like us to consider, you can email us sffyeah at bookriot.com. Get those in by, let's see, uh, the 10th. November 10th is the latest you can send that in. So please do send us your gifting questions. We will do our best to answer them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least, Book Riot has a book. What? We have a book. Yay. Um, yay. It's very cool. It's called Reading the <laughs> Stars. And it is all about the zodiac signs and what you should read. Like, are you a Libra? Or are you a Pisces? Do you have, like, you know, a rising Taurus? Like, you maybe you need <laughs> books tailored for your star sign, sun sign, moon sign, whatever. 
we can help you with that. So there are book recommendations to help you build on your strengths, explore areas of growth, understand your sign, and learn about others. And you do not have to, like, have your birth chart memorized in order to, if you just, like, think astrology is fun, like, and want some more book recommendations, this is also for you. Side note, it is extremely pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, it is but you like those illustrations, Sharifa? I love them. I was like, I couldn't stop turning the pages, and of course, went to my sign immediately yes. <laughs> to be like, "Ooh, what kind of illustration did I get?" And it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's so pretty. So it's a good gift too if you have like an astrology friendly friend you need a gift for who also likes books. Um, and 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 through October thirty first. There is a giveaway that we are partnering with Obvious State, who make like amazing bookish swag for. So you can win a celestial print, notebook, and tote bundle. There's going to be a link to the giveaway in the show notes, so you will definitely want to check that out. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a whole bundle featuring reading the stars. So just FYI, as Very it were. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and then talk about news. Sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively, and we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail, and TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Where do I want to start? A bunch of these are going to be like quick. Uh, Let's start with the one that I was most excited about before I added one more. (laughs) (laughs) Sneaking it in. I'm sneaking all of the things in. So Octavia Butler's Kindred series, like 5,000 years ago, was put into development for TV. And it has a premiere date. It's going to, like, literally, you can mark your calendar. (laughs) Tuesday, December 13th, we're linking to a story on The Root, reported by Chanel Janai. And this is... Oh my goodness, so excited. Like, I forgot this was happening. This is always what always happens. Yeah. We talk about it, like, when it's first reported and then I forget about it. Um, But, like, literally, we're going to be able to watch it if you can figure out how to watch it on FX, which I actually don't know how to do off the top of my head. But oh, and I will certainly, yeah, I'll be figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's on Hulu, so I'm hoping that it's oh, not going to be one of those, like, you have to have a separate Th- – this happens sometimes, mm. and it frustrates me so much that you have to have, like, a special subscription with Hulu to watch certain yeah. things. I'm hopeful that that's not the case with this one. It doesn't say, yeah. but yeah. I also forgot about this because I kind of purposefully forget when right. things just get optioned because it so mm-hmm. often just means – they fade and never actually come to anything. <laughs> so I'm with you on the excitement level about like actually having uh, a date upon which mm-hmm. we can watch the thing. <laughs> yeah. And the actress playing Dana Mallory Johnson is is a newcomer, according to this post. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't recognize her from anything else. But she looks, I mean, I'm just like, yep, that's Dana. Like, that looks right to me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty, pretty jazzed about this. 
Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting yes. story for anybody who hasn't um, read the book. It is a sort of an, a really interesting take on a time travel story. And obviously, mm -hmm. because it's an Octavia Butler story, there is more to it than just time travel. There is commentary on racism and historical mm -hmm. um historical issues slavery um so a black woman goes back and forth in time and ends up on this plantation in the 19th century and there's stuff about uh interracial romance it's it's got a lot of layers so yeah 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 and I noticed in the piece that um, Watchmen's Brandon Jacobs yeah. Jenkins is uh, the writer and the series showrunner. And like, I don't know if y'all watched Watchmen. Nope. I watched some of it. It was pretty <laughs> intense. It was pretty intense. And, you know, this this content is very intense. But yeah. um, I think because I have read the book, I feel prepared if that makes sense. Like, I know, mm. like, I'm sure they'll change some things, but I generally know what to expect. And I've already, like, been there with Dana through this. And it was, like, it was rough then, but, like, I did it. So I'm like, okay, I think I can, I think I can go again. And I really would love to see a good adaptation so that people will come to the book who haven't, you know, who don't know it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just, like, being able to sort of brace yourself for what's coming in the story is, uh, it can be helpful, and I did not watch The Watchmen. Uh, my weary heart could not handle it at no. the time. It really came out, and I just haven't caught up. But I just knowing what what went on with that show and the intensity and the subject yeah. matter, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so very excited. If I can tune in, I will be tuning in. Yeah, please Hulu make it possible. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get a gross story out of the way mm. so that we can focus on fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is an older piece. It's from them. Older by as in like mid-September of this year. And it's reported on by Samantha Rydell. Um, and it's the story about Dungeons and Dragons and how the owners of Dungeons and Dragons are suing a... RPG company from publishing a game that used to have that used to belong to them like the um I think it was the trademark or the creative mm -hmm. um copyright belonged to Wizards of the Coast now it belongs to this company called TSR LLC and the thing about um the specific property they now own Star Frontiers, New Genesis. Um, they're developing this science fiction role-playing game, and it's based on the original Star Frontiers, which was published back in the 1980s. And this is going to be their version, TSR's version. There are so many pieces of this story. Um, yeah. But Wizards of the Coast is suing TSR because... There was previous ownership, it sounds like, and they do not want the content in this new version uh, to be associated with them and their games in any way. And it just sounds so bad. This is a game mm -hmm. TSR is creating that is overtly racist, 
and transphobic. It has it's, mm-hmm. it has anti-trans content in it. Um, there are allegations coming out from a leak of a playtest of the game. It was leaked to some gaming outlets, and that's how these allegations arose, that there is racism that's directly baked into the game. There's horrible... Um, restrictions based on gender and identity and i'm not going to talk about them in detail here because Mm -mm. they're just like gross and if you don't want to read a story like this then please do not because it is very disturbing um so that is a a lawsuit that is ongoing and i'm just like (laughs) what who is going to yeah. I don't even want to know the people who would buy right. a game like this, but it's just like it it's a terrible reminder of some of the legacy that was kind of endemic of some of the gaming culture mm-hmm. and some nerd culture, the types of uh events and situations that really made people not want to engage with some mm-hmm. gaming culture and nerd culture. And I definitely am, am one of those people who used to see those cultures as being like, you know, uh, very xenophobic and very um, intolerant of differences. Mm-hmm. So I was just really disappointed, <laughs> disappointed in the world uh, reading yeah. this article. And yeah just awful yeah it's it's very bad i uh i checked before we started recording to see if there had been any updates on the lawsuit but Mm. there have not been like everything that i could find reported was from around the same time as this story that we're linking to so uh and lawsuits take a while is is my is my understanding they do (laughs) uh, i imagine we'll be hearing more about this as there is more to tell but in the meantime i'm glad that wizards of the coast is not here for it at the very least yeah same because it is literally the least they can do so i know that's true <laughs> and uh, just don't yeah. buy if you see that game you have some yeah, don't buy recollections it. of the 80s version i don't know do what not. it was all about just don't do it <laughs> don't do it moral of the story uh, yeah exactly uh well speaking of pop culture and um you know, nerd culture overlapping. Uh, this is so interesting. <laughs> Fiona Apple is doing a song for the Rings of Power show. Uh, I think Sharifa, you're the one who added this to the to our list. Uh, it comes yeah. from Entertainment Weekly, reported on by Devin Coggin, and uh, there is a song for the season one finale. That was a collaboration between Bear McCreary and Fiona Apple inspired by a Tolkien poem. And I just, you know, I just think that this is yet more evidence of what we've been talking about for a while now, which is like how dominant nerd culture is in pop culture, which Mm -hmm. is a real flip from how it used to be. Like Fiona Apple. (laughs) I know. I was like, I I used to, I mean, I still do, but I used to listen to 
Fiona Apple's first two albums on loop. Like, oh, yeah, just oh, indulging yes. in her music because she is very, she's a very good, like, musical storyteller. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. I saw this, I was like, it's really strange because I 100% would not have expected this pairing, but, <laughs> but also, Fiona Apple really is a storyteller when it comes to music and, Mm -hmm. you know, can engage with the content in a way that probably made, I mean, it's obvious that um, she was uh, specifically invited to write this song and that uh, McCreary, what is his first name? Bear Bear McCreary. How did I forget that? Bear McCreary <laughs> specifically thought about her for this uh, song, Where the Shadows Lie. I haven't listened to it. I tried to click the streaming link and then it was like, set up your account for Amazon Music. Yeah. And I was like, I, I can't. <laughs> like, I, I don't need another account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure I will hear it. I'm planning to watch the Rings of Power and the finale is actually premiering tonight. Uh, as we were yeah. yeah so hopefully I'll so yeah by the time this right i was gonna say by the time this comes out uh y'all will probably have heard it are you watching the show actively or, or are you waiting for it to be all done i did the thing where i started watching a bunch of things i was trying to catch up on mm-hmm. all at once like the first episodes and i've yeah. watched now two episodes of the rings Mm -hmm. of power but i have not finished it but now that i know it's ended and i don't have to wait um, i have more incentive to finish the thing (laughs) yeah i watched the first two episodes i thought it was fine yeah somebody's gonna (laughs) don't at me it it just wasn't for me i'm like i i mean i love that how much they've expanded the world i just struggled with some of the storytelling let's put it that way yeah i didn't want to say anything but <laughs> I, was, I was here here with unpopular opinions i know today. i know I, I did do the watching a few things and obviously it wasn't the one yes. that i continued watching and right i had there were reasons for that i just like i yeah. didn't exactly and maybe this sometimes happens in the first couple episodes but i didn't yes. feel like compelled to stick yes. around i didn't feel a lot of deep emotions yes. in a way that made me want to made me have a hard time clicking away from it <laughs> so yeah yes yeah. yes That's but cool. you know it might pick up in later episodes and i will at some point when i have more time i will yeah. give it another go probably so that's that's my unpopular opinion okay let's see um <laughs> I'm going to squeeze this one in real fast. I just literally saw this right as we were prepping to record, and I couldn't not add it to the agenda because I am so excited about this team up. Uh, This is reported on by Variety by Brianna Bell, 
Hulu has ordered a series of Interior Chinatown, uh, and Jimmy O. Yang is going to star, and Taika Waititi is going to direct, and I am <laughs> just like, I wish y'all could have seen my face. Like, <laughs> I am so excited about this, because it's like, to me, like, I'm not, like, I, I like a lot of Taika Waititi's things. Some of his things have not been for me, which is fine. Like, that's mm-hmm. just how the world works. Yes. Um, but his sensibility... I feel like is such a good match for Interior Chinatown, and in it's already uh, it's by the book is by Charles Yu. Side note, and I know I've talked about it before on this show. It's yes. it's really amazing meta narrative. It takes place the whole book takes place on a TV set, so like it's perfect for a a limited TV adaptation. And uh, Jimmy O. Yang, I have seen in some other things, I think Crazy Rich Asians in particular. Um, and I just feel like he has this like every man sort of vibe that is so such a good match for Willis Wu, the main character. Um, and like, yeah, 10 episodes, put it in my eyeballs. Like, I'm so excited <laughs> for this to happen. Uh, so the series has been in development for the past two years. So hopefully it's not like another five years before we get this but I love I love this announcement I love it this is really it I haven't read the book yet but it got so many accolades and all of my friends were telling me that I have to read it so and then you talked about it on the show and I was like (laughs) why am I not reading this but I'm so excited about this pairing because I think that especially Considering I have read Charles Yu, um, and considering mm-hmm. how interesting his writing is, and how interesting Taika Waititi's um, shows and films are, yes. like it, it's so cool to see this duo, this combination uh, coming yeah. together. And I will definitely be watching it. Yeah, yeah, very excited about that one. Awesome. Um, Well, I have one last very quick one, um, and this is actually reported on by us. We will have a link in the show notes, and it's an announcement of the 2022 Harvey Awards winners for Best Comics of the Year. So there's a list here, and the reason I'm shouting it out is because there are quite a few SFF picks here. Uh, Laura Olympus, I know people love mm. this comic <laughs> it's a uh, greek mythology base a uh, mythology base and it's by rachel Smythe. and there's another uh fantasy squire by nadia shamas and sarah alfaji um and that's from harper alley that's another fantasy one ms marvel uh these are Yay. best adaptations yes i love the Ms. Marvel series on Disney yes. Plus. I wanted yep. more episodes. It was just magic. And the soundtrack, too, by mm, the way. Oh my God, the soundtrack. Oh, that should win a For awards. real. <laughs> it should. It's so good. Agree. Hardest of agrees. Good. I'm glad I'm not alone. I, I no. need to remember to get that uh, playlist going. Um, yes, yes. And there's one other the Chainsaw Man it, by. Tatsuki Fujimoto, translated by Amanda Haley, is one I see on all the lists everywhere. 
And I have not read it. It is a it is about a young man who is broke and a and a chainsaw dog is what I'm getting from the description. Oh, he's a devil hunter. So it's about a small time devil hunter and his pet devil, Pochita. It's just like when you see the cover, maybe you will recognize yeah. it, but it's been everywhere as far as I can tell. Um, so congratulations to the winners, SFF winners and all. Um, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that's that for me. All right. Well, let's uh, take another break and then we will talk about our creepy reads. All it's right. time for creepy Your first. reads. Yes, <laughs> I am. And I'm so excited. I definitely have like all of my Halloween stuff out and I am building on my collection. So I was really happy when you chose this and brought it up as the next subject matter. So in honor of that, I'm going to start with my most gruesome <laughs> pick, <laughs> which is The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. And this is just like, if you just really want something that has the feel of a, I would say maybe a contemporary horror movie, I would go for this book. So this is a story that is set in this isolated town. It's called Bethel, and it's very much a Puritan village. Like when you think of your typical historical puritanical village like Salem witch trials era that is what you can think of when you picture Bethel and the thing about Bethel is that it is very much set apart from other societies and towns people do not uh, mix and mingle with other people outside of the town they are very much um Isolated in all sorts of ways, I guess I will say. And Emmanuel, who's our MC, is a very different sort of person in Bethel. First of all, when she's born, there is a situation, there is a uh, an event that curses her life and her association with everybody else. She's born under strange circumstances. Her mom has strange associations with the dark wood, which is this creepy forest everybody stays out of because it has like some historical dark legacies surrounding it. It is a cursed place. <laughs> and <laughs> it is basically known as a forest where dark powers are wielded by witches and the leader of the witches is Lilith and so you can imagine you've got a puritanical village and you've got this witchy forest that nobody goes into and Emmanuel is born of associations with the dark wood and Emmanuel doesn't know her mother she's been adopted into a family um that is very much in line with Bethel's community. And with Emmanuel and her family, I got very big Anne of Green Cables vibes in a weird way. But Emmanuel is definitely like more of an Emily of New Moon than an Anne of Green Gables. She is a very sort of <laughs> a broody, um, thoughtful, 
uncertain character and she's uncertain of her place in the world and you know how far she's willing to go to toe the line and fit in assimilate in Bethel and there is there are um undertones with this story that do not just leave it aside that Emmanuel is not white the community of Bethel is a white community, and it definitely makes clear that that is part of why Emmanuel is set apart from these people um, and about other communities outside of Bethel that do not look like people of Bethel. Uh, so it is a very narrow-minded place. Its church has a firm grip on the com uh, the community. Everyone's expected to abide by the laws. And there's this really terrible, patriarchal, toxic, exploitative thing happening with the church and especially how it deals with the women of the community. So you can imagine why Emmanuel is skeptical and it does not jive with her especially when her best friend suddenly gets caught up in the web of the church in a way that is threatening her life and livelihood. So this event with her best friend really fuels Emmanuel and takes her into the woods and outside of the boundaries of Bethel where she learns more about herself and her history and about Bethel's history and why there is this terrible uh, animosity between the forest and Bethel. And throughout the whole story, there is just really vivid horror-fueled imagery. It does not uh, hold back on the blood and the gore and the vengeance violence. So it is a very gory story, um, and it has sort of that... Uh, crucible vibe going if you've read the crucible before it has this really fire and brimstone religion and there are horrible things happening all over the place and really dark moments but I just like it was such a really it was an interesting take on the sort of Salem witch trials story it really brought it into um contemporary thinking and was just original absolutely original and I was really excited to talk about this book again because Alexis Henderson has a new book out uh, it just came out in September it's House of Hunger which is a queer fantasy horror novel drawing on the history of the Countess of Bathory so Super cool all around. I love her writing. This was her debut. And that was The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. Nice. <laughs> love a creepy forest. Yes. And uh, some church shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely some church shenanigans. <laughs> okay. Well, so I promised I was cheating. I have two fantasy picks. One is darker. One is lighter. So I wanted to give y'all some options. Uh, my darker fantasy pick is Siren Queen by Nevo, which I know I've talked about already this year. Too bad. So sad. It is... <laughs> So good. And I really do feel like it's a great read for this season because the events that happen in it in include like 
you know, dark revelries and bonfires mm. with like witchy, demony things. And it just feels very appropriate, seasonally speaking. But also, you should read this book year round. Side note. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, content warnings for this book include. Self-harm, domestic violence, and mention of sexual assault. I will say that it's less explicitly violent and more, like, undertones of violence, if that's helpful for you to know. Um, the The creepiness factor is really just the whole setup. The In this alternate uh, pre-code, you know, golden age Hollywood, they... The way that Hollywood works is it is literally fueled by like dark elf magic. Like that's like dark, <laughs> dark magics are what make Hollywood run and what can make you a star. And Luli Wei, our heroine, like grew up Chinese American in this like very small neighborhood um, outside of Hollywood called Hungarian Hill. And like from a young age was like, I want to be a movie star. And she knows what that means. And she's willing to pay the price because this is what she wants for herself. And so you follow her into the studio system, which is both like of its time. So, she, you know, she's Chinese American, so she's facing racism, typecasting, you know, all of those things. And then there's the dark magical elements like her roommate in this like boarding house for starlets is um from norway and like has a tail like totally normal totally <laughs> fine um you know like there's creatures and all kinds of fey uh people and not people involved and it's really an exploration of like what is a monster what does it mean to be a monster what does it mean to be considered a monster and, you know, you get this, like, dark magic um, that wends its way through all of it. And it's so atmospheric. It's so, the world building is like, Mwah! chef kiss, so good. And Lily is such a complicated, nuanced, well-thought-out character. Like, you just, ugh, I just was so compelled by this story. Um, and I love a dark fae story. So there's that on top of it. Uh, so yeah. Oh, also homophobia. Sorry, I forgot that. That's how that <laughs> happens too. Um, so FYI. But again, it's just oh, it's so good. Uh, so again, that's the Siren Queen by Nevo, and then I'll just go right into my fluffier, lighter uh, fantasy romance series. Highly recommending. The Witches of Thistle Grove, there is like a thing happening in contemporary romance right now where we're getting a ton of paranormal contemporaries that are have witches in them. And I, I could not be happier about this development. <laughs> like, I will read every single one of them, please and thank you. And Lana Harper's The Witches of Thistle Grove is a great example. Uh, the first two books are out and the third book is coming next year. And Thistle Grove is like, it's a little bit like Stars Hollow if you're a Gilmore's girl fan, Gilmore Girls fan, but witchy. So, you know, it's this like sort of picturesque community in somewhere in New England, I don't remember. Uh, and there are sort of three major magical families. And as long as you're within the bounds of the community, like magic works, it's real. Outsiders just think it's all like special effects and like aesthetic uh, TM. But like they, <laughs> if you're born there, you know 
that like it's real. The magic is real. And the town was founded in the olden days, you know, by these witches and wizards from Europe. And it's all like a whole situation. And uh, there, these three families, there's some like, you know, tensions going on about who like has the power and, you know, who like dated who and dumped them in high school tragically and like all of that <laughs> stuff. Who's been mortal enemies since they were 12. Like, you know, all that good small town tension. And it's a romance series. So, of course, you know, we get a lot of enemies to lovers or like, you know, it's just oh, it's so good. I really enjoy it. Um, it's a very inclusive cast of characters. Uh, there is queer representation. There are folks from different ethnicities. There's an interracial romance element. There's a lot of really great stuff in this series. Um, so I highly recommend if you are in the mood for some like atmospheric witchy romance that is, I think, well balanced between, you know, lighter and a darker moments. The Witches of Thistle Grove by Lana Harper is a great series for that. What a great mix already. Right? Yeah. Well, this challenge made me realize that I do not read a lot of like horror science fiction and most of the mm. horrifying things I read that are approaching science fiction are speculative and are about realistic horrors uh, that we already <laughs> live with. So my next pick is <laughs> Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wobgeshi Grice. And I just love this book, even though it fills me with all sorts of, of terror uh, for the future of our world <laughs> and for the future of certain communities. And this book very much takes place within the Anishinaabe community. Um, and Wogeshig Rice is um, originally from Wisoxing First Nation. And this book was actually inspired by his experiences growing up in an Anishinaabe community. So the story, uh, the central figure in the story is Evan White Sky. He's the main character. And Evan is seeing his community forgetting traditions, um, you know, leaning on imported resources and also just suffering from generational trauma. And uh, his people and the traditions he grew up learning about and making a part of his life and the beliefs that he holds as a member of the Anishinaabe community are really important to him. And so what he observes around him is causing him real pain. And, you know, he wants to be one of the people who brings back um, the learnings that people are losing. And the story, uh, the actual setting itself physically uh, or geographically is really remote. Uh, a remote setting is always great for a horror-fueled story. And this isn't straightforward horror, by the way. I, I just want to make that clear. It's it's a story that has terrors in it. Um, but the landscape is bleak and wintry. These are times when it's very important to stock up on resources, be, especially because the community is so remote. So, you know, there's that going right into this season. And there's this sense there that... There isn't enough happening. There isn't enough preparation for what you know is the coming of harsher times than 
anybody in this community has seen because this thing happens. Um, the energy, the electricity shuts off without warning. So that means communication with the outside world has dropped. Uh, the resources in the very few stores, I think in the story there's one store basically, it dwindles too quickly. And as a result of this, this unexplained phenomenon, the stability of the community is really on a tightrope. And, you know, families are separated by lack of access to the outside world. Inviting starts to happen. And then this stranger that Evan has massive misgivings about shows up and takes charge. And throughout the whole thing there, you know, the story pulls you back to these really ominous nightmares, this, this sort of omen Evan sees in his dreams. And it really sets the tone for what you can expect of the terror that's ahead for this community. And, you know, as I mentioned, these are realistic horrors. They're horrors that are based on you know, racism that it just exists in the world and the exploitation of marginalized people and historical traumas, entitlement to people's resources and just reliance on structures that are systemically oppressive. So there's so much going on with this story and there are so many parallels being drawn here. Um, in particular, you know, like how indigenous people are often afterthoughts when the resources they've been set up to rely on run out. So it's it's something you can see happening in the world and that you hope you never see happen in the world. And the whole time, I just felt so tense and on the edge <laughs> of my seat as I was reading this book. It is very like apocalyptic and allegorical and... I just, it, it stayed with me for such a long time after I finished reading it. So again, if you want to just be chilled inside out, Moon of the Crusted Snow <laughs> by Wogeshi Grace is a good one. Yeah, cosine, cosine, Ooh. all of that. Creeping sense of dread is like yes. the vibe. And that also actually applies to my sci-fi uh -huh. pick. Uh, <laughs> it is, yeah, it's a nice coincidence. Um, it's Mine is a very, it's like a psychological, you know, creepiness, which is mm. you know, a lot, very compelling and very terrifying. Uh, it is We Have Always Been Here by Lena Nguyen which was one of my favorite books of last year. And it is hard sci-fi. So if you are like a, you know, give me all of the technology and what's going to happen with it, uh, this is for you. It is also very psychological, sort of like thriller, horror, creeping sense of dread, 1,000% all the way through. <laughs> um the main character is Grace Park, who is a psychologist who really doesn't like people. Like that's she's she's just not in she's not a fan of people. She's not had good experiences with them. She's much more actually comfortable with uh, the AI and androids that um, exist in this future of our world. And but also, you know, she has been trained very specifically to like read people like facial, you know, recognition sort of but the, with a human element to it and to judge their states of mind. So she's not a talk psychologist. She's like a let me look at you and see what's going on with you, psychologist. And she gets hired 
to observe the crew members aboard a ship that are going to like survey an ice planet. And I think we all know that ice planets are bad news. Yes. <laughs> bad news bears. Absolutely. Um, and so the crew members, they know she's there to, like, monitor them. So they're not super happy about that. So she faces some harassment and bullying from them and uh, really focuses her, um, you know, emotional support more on the androids of the ship because she's just more comfortable with them for reasons that you find out over the course of the show. But after they land... They get to the ice planet. Only certain people are allowed onto the surface in the first place. And crew members start to have very strange reactions to what's going on around them. Some of them are exhibiting signs of mental breakdowns or hallucinations. Like, people are starting to fray in very unexpected and, like, potentially hazardous ways. And she has to figure out what is causing this. And it is... It is very like, uh, oh, what's the, um, oh my gosh, there's a there's a famous sci-fi book that is this, Stanislaw Lem is the author. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But anyway, it's like very of a tradition in sci-fi, but I love the way that Nguyen updates it and the way that she's playing with these tropes of, you know, space exploration, colonization, uh, corporate sponsorship of colonization and, you know, human psychology and how it interacts with being in space or being in these new situations. And then, of course, artificial intelligence and sentience, all of these like amazing classic sci-fi tropes, but in this very fresh and very stressful. I was like so stressed out the entire time I was reading this book. <laughs> Made me so nervous. And there are genuinely like creeptastic moments in it. So I think it's a very good one. For, you know, if those are the, like, creepy vibes that you want, like, this book has them in just, like, loads and loads of them. Uh, so, again, that is We Have Always Been Here by Lena Nguyen. Mm-hmm. And that's our show. We yeah. did it. Yeah, <laughs> picks abound. I know. They're all over the place. Hi, We hope you all have an excellent Halloween, if that's a thing that's happening by you. Uh, so, yes. All right. That's the show. Um, SFF Yeah <laughs> is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound as good as we can. Uh, if you would like more recommendations, including more creepy books, you can have those at bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. As always, thank you for listening. Email us your holiday gifting picks or whatever. Uh, SFF, yeah, at bookriot.com. Send us your questions, what you're reading, your pets. You know the drill. Um, if you would like to review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or Podchaser, wherever, we super appreciate that. It helps other people to find this show. Um, and speaking of finding us, you can find us online in between shows. Sharifa, where are you? I'm on Instagram at Sina Williams. That's S C A I N A B Williams. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J E N N I R L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.